If you will, and if you have a Bible there, uh, open it up to Matthew's Gospel, the third chapter, and we're going to pick up on part two of how it's done. How it is done. And what is this that we're talking about, how it's done? Doing life like Jesus did life. So many people think that Jesus did life in a way that we should not do because he was God. But though he was God, he did not do life as God. He did life as a man. He was tempted. The Bible said God cannot be tempted. Jesus was tired at different times. The Bible said God is never tired. And Jesus grew in wisdom and knowledge. And the Bible said God is all-knowing. Well, what does this mean? Jesus came. The Bible calls him Emmanuel or God with us. But it said he emptied himself of his eternal privileges and came like a man so he could identify with us But not only that, so he could show us how to live. And so the last week we started here about how Jesus did things. And we talked about how he lived his life having God first all the time. And it was a choice. And it was not without temptation. Well, tonight we're going to talk about a different area of life or way that he lived life. And it's this. Jesus did life filled with the Spirit. When Jesus was a little kid, he knew God, he walked with God, but he became empowered. And we're going to talk about this in Matthew 3, verse 16. He's 30 years old, and he gets filled with the Spirit, or the Spirit of God comes on him and fills him. There's this time John the Baptist is preparing the way of the Savior to come to the earth, the Messiah, Jesus. He's baptizing people. Jesus knows about this baptism that he's doing in the River Jordan. And he comes to John here in Matthew 3, verse 16. Actually, we'll begin in verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. Verse 14, and John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you're coming to me? And verse 15 said, but Jesus answered and said to him, permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Now verse 16 says, after he allowed him, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him. In other words, John baptized Jesus, and as soon as Jesus came up out of the water, John is just standing there, and he was looking at the sky like normal, and it parted like a curtain opened up and he saw into the spirit realm as he was looking at Jesus and seeing the sky, it just parted. And what happened, it says, immediately when he came up, behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him or descending on him. 
And then it says, suddenly there came a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. What did John see here? All of a sudden, you know, he'd been baptizing other people, baptizing, baptizing. But then when he baptized Jesus, he, when he came up out of the water, all of a sudden he saw heaven open, meaning he saw into the spirit realm and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming upon Jesus. Another scripture says that the Lord had spoke to him and said, when you see the spirit descend and abide or stay on this person, you'll know he's the Messiah. And so he saw this happen. And from this time forward, the Bible tells us Jesus was filled with the Spirit. After this, Jesus lived a miraculous life, a supernatural life. Up until this time, Jesus never performed a miracle, uh, never anything like that. It wasn't until this time when he had the Spirit of God come on him and he was filled with the Spirit did he begin to experience a life that was revolutionized. And here, after this, we see where it says this first miracle he did. Then the next time it said this second miracle he did. So we knew he wasn't performing miracles before this. This was the doorway into the supernatural for him. And so in 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, this is written to the church or to believers. And it says here in 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, and the first verse. And this is a profound scripture. We see Jesus begins his work with people and reaching humanity and giving us an example how to live. The first thing we see is him getting filled with the Spirit. Notice 1 Corinthians 11, 1 says, Be imitators, or imitate me. Now this is Paul, the writer who was inspired by God to put this here. He said, imitate me. Imitate me. Just as I also imitate Christ. What a profound statement. Imitate me. What is it to imitate somebody? Well, that means to replicate or do what they are doing. You know, walk in their steps. Do it the way they did it. And what a way to think for the church. Imitate me as I am imitating him. So we could look at his life and see how he did things and... If we see it there, we probably would see it in Jesus' life. And so that is a pretty big thing because maybe the church world uh, doesn't always think like that. Like, imitate Jesus or imitate this man because he was imitating Jesus. Well, what was the first thing that happened to Paul then? When he first uh, gave his life to the Lord or had an encounter with the Lord, what happened to him? Acts the ninth chapter discusses this, his conversion, when he started following Jesus. Acts 9, 
verse 5 and 6. Paul at this time was known as Saul. He didn't love the Lord. He didn't love the things of God. He was attacking the church. And he was on his way to do harm to the church. And he had an encounter with Jesus. And he committed his life to Jesus at that time. And he was revolutionized. Notice this, Acts 5, uh, 9, verse 5 and 6. And he said, and this is when the Lord Jesus appeared to him, or revealed himself to him. And he said to him, who are you? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, it's hard for you to kick against the goads. A goad was like a spike thing, real similar to one of those prongs you'd put in a fireplace that has a hook on it, and you'd move the logs around, but it's a bigger version that you'd use for cattle that you would poke, maybe a cow to get it moving, and then there's a little hook on there, and you would hook it and kind of pull it and turn it. And what it what Jesus said here, he said, and remember, they didn't wear steel toe boots back then. They wore sandals. And here Jesus said, it's hard for you to persecute me. It's like kicking one of those things. I mean, they're metal. I mean, you're just doing damage to yourself. Paul right here went from kicking against the Lord to surrendering his life to him. And here he said, uh, in verse 6, So he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what do you want me to do? So he calls him Lord, and then he said, What is it that you want me to do? So the Lord said to him, Arise, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. So he gives his life to the Lord, surrenders to him. Instead of attacking the church, he's now surrendered. And I'll say it, he said, I'll do whatever you want me to do. You know, that is something that a lot of Christians may say. Or somebody coming to the Lord. Lord, I'll, I'll do whatever you want me to do. That is a great thing. To come to the place where you say, I will do whatever you want me to do. That's a good place. But here's the interesting thing about this great place. He didn't tell him, listen, Paul, what I want you to do is perform miracles right now. I want you to go stand on a rooftop and Proclaim my name with great power. He said, no, I want you to go here and then I'll tell you more once you obey me in that small area. You know, I've found that no matter how big the door is, it has to swing on a little hinge. I remember years ago, I had, uh, when I was working in California, we were working on a job site called Ocean Trails. It was a new golf course uh, that was in... Pacific Palisades, and it was on the ocean, and it was being built, and I worked in commercial construction back then, and I remember when they brought these huge front doors, and the guys, they had them shipped in from India, they said these doors are more than 2,000 years old. They were made before Christ, 
And what they were, were they, they were doors uh, that were made for elephant trainers. So they were these big, huge doors, and they had these big spikes in them. And, you know, then they had a little door where the elephant trainer would climb in and out, and it would close. And they had these big spikes so that the elephant wouldn't push with his head and break the thing open. And if they ever wanted to let the elephant out, it's interesting, those big giant doors swung on little hinges. And when I say little, they're proportioned. But it doesn't matter how big the door is, little acts of obedience are the things that the Lord asks of us. There are many people who want to go further with God than you have to do like Paul did and take whatever steps are presented. I found many of the great things that ever occur in my own life have happened as I obeyed small little leadings from the Lord or what seemed like little leadings from the Lord. They weren't that glamorous. They weren't that public always, but they were the thing that brought me further. I remember one time the Lord dealt with me, reminded me about spending time with him a certain way, and I remember where I was on, on, on the couch. And uh, he reminded me of something I had heard years before. And so I went, okay, I can do that. And I started out spending time doing this certain thing. And I did it day after day after day. And I spent some time doing this. And as I did, man, God started working stronger and stronger and stronger in my life. Well, it seemed like such a little thing. But God knew where he wanted me to go. It took a little act of obedience that wasn't maybe the easiest, but it brought me into a place. And in all reality, all the big places we ever want to get to in God start like this right here. Whatever you want me to do. Well, then arise, go into the city, and then I'll tell you more there. Wow, that, that's not real glamorous. I want something more glamorous than that. I, I want to I raise the dead. If he can't get you to go to a city to do something, how in the world are you going to raise the dead when he says, go here, and you're going to go, I'm not, uh, well, uh, you need to know him. You need to be obedient in big and small. But it's little stones that build a big home. And notice verse 7 says, and when he journeyed, and the men who he journeyed uh, with, or with him, stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. So while he's having this encounter, other people are having an encounter too, but not to the same degree. And then in verse 10, uh, you know, after Paul has now gone to this place, with this act of obedience. What if Paul would have never done that? Said, you know, I want something bigger. You know, there was a time in the Bible that a guy had leprosy and uh, he thought, I'll go to this prophet and this prophet will uh, do something great and I'll be healed. So he sends people to the house, you know, where the prophet's staying. He sends out his servant and tells him, 
go dip, you know, seven times in the river, Jordan, this muddy river, and you'll come seen again. You know that guy got ticked off. <clears throat> he got mad. He said, why does he want me to go to this dirty, muddy river? We have clean rivers over here that I could have done this in. And he had to have somebody talk him down. You know what that means? You know, when they talk about somebody's about to jump off a cliff, they talk him down. He had to have somebody talk him down. He said, if he asked you to do something hard, you would have done it. Why don't you go do this? Because he's giving direction from the Lord. And so the guy finally relents and goes and does it. But he's thinking, oh, the prophet will come out and give this big booming word. No, no, just go, just go out there and dip, you know, sends a servant. Man, but you know what? He relented, he obeyed one time, two, I don't know, maybe three, four, five, six. He's still not healed, but he was looking for something big. Many big things are connected to small things or what we deem or may think as small. And he did that, and he got a big thing. Or what we might deem as big, God doesn't think of that as big, though. Just another interesting thought there. And so, Paul, or Saul, he's mentioned as both, gets up after this experience and does exactly what the Lord tells him. Now notice in verse 10, Now there was a disciple at Damascus, named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. Verse 11 says, so the Lord said to him, arise, go to the street called Straight, inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul. Now this is Saul or Paul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And it goes on to say some different things and how he has this discussion with the Lord. Now, we're going to skip forward to when Ananias gets to that home in verse 17. It says, And Ananias went his way and entered the house. So he goes there where Paul or Saul is. He enters the house. Now, he's going there on purpose. He's going there on the direction of the Lord. Paul has just had an encounter with the Lord Jesus. And now Paul is about to move forward. And notice how he starts his life and service to God. He does it like Jesus started his ministry. Remember, Jesus got baptized in water but then the Spirit of God came on him. He got filled with the Spirit. Notice this happened. Verse 17, And Ananias went his way, entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight. What had happened was, Paul got blinded by the glory of God, and he couldn't see for these three days. 
But that's not the only reason he said, go lay your hands on him. He said, and lay hands on him. Notice this, that he may be filled with the Holy Spirit. Notice Jesus starts off being filled with the Spirit. Now Paul starts off his life, and what a profound life it was also. And if we're talking about doing life like Jesus, remember what he said? Follow or imitate me like I imitate Jesus. Well, if Paul got filled with the Spirit and he was imitating and this was a direction of the Lord by God's direction and Jesus initiated this lifestyle, then guess what? He said to all people who get saved, that you should be endued with power from on high and be filled with the Spirit too. Now, Paul started his life like this. If we're going to walk in the steps that Jesus walked, and Paul said, hey, I'm an example, and he got filled with the Spirit after he committed his life to the Lord, well, that's something we should do. But notice here in Acts 19, Paul has now been in the ministry for a number of years and he would uh, reach people and he would uh, minister to people all the time. Well, he came to some people here who were believers and uh, they were in the city of Ephesus and I'm going to begin reading in verse 1 of the 19th chapter. It says, and it came to pass or it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, who is Saul, same person, passed through the upper regions and came to Ephesus and finding some disciples. These were people who were committed to the Lord. And so he said to them, after he found out they were committed, he said, and look at these words carefully, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Did you? Or we might say it like this, have you since? That's an interesting statement because he said, you know, we know that when somebody believes on the Lord, they receive him. But notice he made a distinction between receiving the Lord and believing on him and then being filled with the Spirit or receiving power, as the Bible said. As a matter of fact, you can find a similar story to this in, in the earlier chapters in the book of Acts where this man Philip went down and preached Christ to this city. And after they had turned their lives to the Lord and had great joy, the whole city, it says, was full of joy when they had turned to the Lord. The early apostles, Peter and John, found out, so they went down to them to pray for them that they might be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, if this was so important that Jesus even told his original 12 after he rose, he said, don't go preach, even though he, they had been trained, until you're filled with the Spirit. We see something here that they followed Jesus' example. In other words, they did life like Jesus did life. And so he said, have you received since you believed? 
the other place, after they had believed, they went down and prayed for them that they might be filled. That tells me something. There's a difference between being saved and born of the Spirit and having the Spirit and being filled to overflowing. As a matter of fact, they said, we haven't even heard about the Holy Spirit. So that would be interesting if Jesus said, you know, baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You would think there would have at least, if they had been baptized that way, there would have been some knowledge of the Holy Spirit. Now, it wasn't like they hadn't experienced something they had. They had the new birth. But notice verse 3, after they said, we haven't even heard whether there was a Holy Spirit. So he said to them, into what then were you baptized? Because see, if you were baptized according to the authority of the name of Jesus in the name of the Father and Son of Holy Spirit, you would have at least heard. And they said, well, we've been baptized into John's baptism. Now, John's baptism was a baptism preparing the way for Jesus to come. There's a new kind of baptism in water now. And notice this, verse 4 said, Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance. That's not our type of baptism now. We baptize, get baptized as believers because we have repented. We've changed our thinking. We've committed our lives to Jesus. And it says, this was a baptism of repentance saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him or after John. And then he tells you so you know who it is. That is on Christ Jesus. So his baptism was a preparation. He was preaching, the Messiah's coming, the Savior of the world's coming. Be baptized. Change your attitude. Be prepared. Get your house in order. He's coming, and you're going to need to commit to him. That's what that was. Well, he's already come now. So now we see there's a different water baptism but not only is there a water baptism, there is what people call a baptism in the Holy Spirit or receiving the power of the Holy Spirit as a believer. Now understand, if Jesus needed power to do this life, why would a believer not need power from the Holy Spirit? If the original apostles and the early believers, because it wasn't just the twelve, needed power and they received in Acts 2, wouldn't the church need power today too to do this life the right way before the Lord Jesus returns? And if Paul wasn't in that first group, and then later on, years later, had an encounter with Jesus, and then he gets filled with the Holy Spirit, do we need less power to live this life? And then when he encountered early believers, he made sure, did you receive once you believed? Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? They said, well, we haven't even heard. So that means there is a salvation experience where a person is born of the Spirit, but there is a filling with power, an infilling 
of the Spirit. And so notice this in verse 6. It says, And when Paul had laid his hands on them, it said the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Notice when they got filled with the Spirit, one thing that happened besides the prophecy, they started speaking in an unknown tongue. The initial evidence for people who get filled with the Spirit is there will be divine utterance in an unknown tongue. Not a human language, but a heavenly language. Some people have not understood this, and the church has in some places backtracked and moved away from this. But let me just tell you something. There's no reason to backtrack from this. There's no reason to backtrack from God's power. There's no reason to backtrack from the Holy Spirit. If you're born of the Spirit, you're not going to be filled with something different than He who is already in you. It's not something different. It's not, it's not a different Spirit. You're born of the Holy Spirit. Then you can be filled with the Spirit. And I know if we're to imitate the Lord and imitate Paul as he imitated the Lord, there's something to be said about uh, being filled with the Spirit and having this divine experience. But it's not just the experience that ends. It's something that we are to live out in after we get saved the rest of our life. I know this, when people are not walking in God's power, they're always looking for the Lord to do something. Lord, do something. Do something in their life. Do something here. But isn't it interesting? He said, imitate me like I imitate the Lord. Well, how did the Lord do things? How did Paul do things? How does the Bible say it? I recognize this, and actually this has happened to me uh, if we've done maybe four services online, like three times when I've been standing over there as we're getting ready or we're praising the Lord and I'm getting ready to get up, there comes an overwhelming sense on the inside by the Holy Spirit, and I have this sense that the church needs to arise and begin to walk in their authority. And instead of saying, Lord, do this, the church needs to start acting on the authority that has already been given to them. That's why the church, and I'm talking in the greater sense, has failed in many ways, is because we've said, Lord, do this. And he said, behold, I give you power and I give you authority, and we've said we don't need the power, and we're waiting on the Lord, I believe there is a divine calling in people, and I believe the Lord is doing it. I do know there are people throughout the world that understand some elements of this authority. But I believe there's a divine calling out by the Spirit to raise up whoever will, to walk in real, genuine authority. And instead of saying, Lord, please do something about that, we, as a believer, as an individual, will rise up with the Word of God 
and the power of the Spirit and command mountains to move like he said. Command evil spirits to stop like he said. Lay hands on the sick and command them to be healed in the name of Jesus. Well, if he is working and endeavoring to have the church rise up, he's always wanted to have the church this way. This isn't some new teaching, but I do believe it is something that is going to and is coming and will come to the forefront in these days. Everybody may not like it, but you know what? Why don't we just stick with God's Word? God's Word is God's Word, and we don't need other people's commentary. We need the Word of God, and it's powerful and strong. And if He said we've got authority, and if He said you need power, then let's just toss all that other stuff aside and go, let's act on the Word. Let's rise up. And there is a real sense about that. And I believe that we can all probably do better and be more bold. And instead of waiting for God to do something, why don't we do something with what He's already given us? Now concerning this power, every believer should uh, demand this. Every believer should say, Lord, I want this. Luke 11 is a familiar verse to a lot of people. Knock and the door will be open. Seek and you will find. Ask and you will receive. Goes through this story about, you know, evil parents or natural parents giving good gifts to their children. How much more will God give good things to them that ask? Actually, in that verse right there, 13, talking about children or people who are saved, he said, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Everyone who asks receives. Anybody who is born again can receive the Holy Spirit. If you have received Him but have not been endued with power, you need to say, Lord, I received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, 38 and 39 said, this promise of the Holy Spirit is to you, to your children. He was discussing this to people, the guy there. And he said, it's to everybody who's afar off, as many as the Lord our God would call. In other words, every believer until the Lord returns can be filled with this power. We need to walk in this power. Once you ask the Lord, you can say, fill me and start thanking Him. And then once you do, the Spirit of God will fill you, rise up on the inside of you, and rise up and you will get words that are not in English. They're called an unknown tongue, a way to pray to the Lord. You will have received power. I would encourage you to do this very thing. Reach out to us at the church. Go to our website. Make contact with us. We can give you further instruction about this. I know that this is crucial for the church to walk in in these days. If you have been filled with the Spirit, then you need to continue on in this prayer language to God uh, to exercise and release this power. I know this. This is fundamental to the church. We who want to walk like Jesus walked and live a life like He lived need to follow Paul's example and the Bible example and be filled with 
power. And it's real simple. 